folks, you are listening to the Yishai Fleischer Show, broadcasting from Jerusalem to the world, and you're a part of it wherever you are. Folks, welcome back uh, to the program. Spiritual Cafe has been missing in my life, and therefore I'm sure it's been missing in your life as well. And that's why I am at beautiful Beit Midrash Sulam Yaakov, here with Rabbi Mike Foyer. Rabbi Mike, welcome to the show. It's great that you're back. Yeah, it's great to be back with you. It's great to be back here at Yeshiva uh, and in Jerusalem, of course. Um, amazing news is that this show is going to now be part of the new thelandofisrael.com network, and I'm very excited about it. Uh, and so Spiritual Cafe continues to be on all the Yishai Fleischer feeds that you've had, but now it's going to be part of the new feed and the new station of thelandofisrael.com. And you can email me at yishai at thelandofisrael.com. Very excited about that. And, of course, uh, the founders of that are Ari and Jeremy, great leaders in Jewish media, uh, global dissemination of, uh, of the story of Israel. So great stuff. Um, we weren't together last week. I was in America. And you know that this show uh, it has been sponsored for the last many weeks by Jack uh, in honor of his wife Lillian and his sister Sarah. Uh, and you know what? These were names to me beforehand, and now they're real people, uh, people who are, I could call them friends, I can call them semi-family really now, uh, because I got the chance to just more than even hang out with them, just uh, just be, be part of their lives. Um, and um, I want to tell you a little story that happened there. Sure. We went to see a very important rabbi. We went to see an important rabbi, and I got a chance to speak at his synagogue. Um, uh, that rabbi is Rabbi Eli Mansour. He is a big teacher of Torah. You, Absolutely yeah. familiar with his name, yeah. He's a, he's a master disseminator of Torah and, 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 a, and a genius, really a Torah genius uh, and entertaining as all heck, really amazing. Um, and, and he gave me the podium Friday night. It turns out that he doesn't let people speak usually at the podium Friday night. So before he, he, he let me get on, he, he got up to speak. And he said, uh, I go to the land of Israel every year, and I make sure to go to four holy cities, that's uh, Tzfat, Tveria, Tzfat, Tveria, uh, Jerusalem, and Hebron. But because of the situation on this, pre, on this last trip, uh, my Yetzer Hara, my evil inclination, told me, don't go, it's dangerous, you don't want to do it, why endanger yourself? And he said, I succumbed to, the, to that, to that uh, advice. Uh, and then when he got on the plane, he felt tremendously guilty about it, tremendously guilty about it. Uh, um, so much so that it was just bothering him on the plane ride. And when he gets off the plane, he turns on his phone to start reading messages, to start reading his email. And lo and behold, he got an email from Jack saying, hey, uh, Hebron uh, is coming to, to Brooklyn, and will you have Yishai Fleischer speak at your synagogue? He said, you see, I didn't go to Hebron. Hebron's coming to me. Wow. And, uh, and, and, and that's, how, that's how he introduced me. And the reason I mention this is because... Uh, the issue of, of our brothers and sisters out there in the diaspora and their great need and yearning for connectivity, for connection to this land, uh, the importance of producing uh, media and material to, to reach out across the Atlantic and hold hands, fill them with the spirit and the smells and, and, the, and the ideas and the thoughts and the yearnings of Israel uh, and have them inform us as well. You know, the, the, the great big one is Aliyah. That's the big whale. That's the big fish. But you know what? Till that, there's a lot of good-sized fish that we can pick out of that ocean. 
Um, I don't want to stretch this metaphor too far. The, the bottom line is we got we got to bridge that gap. We got to bridge that gap, and and we have brothers and sisters. I'm going to tell you just one more story about Brooklyn. Okay, go for it. I land in Long Island. My my beloved sister, God bless her, Racheli, or her husband Daniel. They, they pick me up from the airport. Actually, Racheli picks me up, but I saw Daniel later. He he dropped me back off at the airport on the way out. Uh, there in Long Island, and. Um, the first thing my sister did, uh, due to her great kindness, was take me to the kosher Dunkin' Donuts uh, in Long Island, in Long Beach over there, and uh, that was great, you know. And 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 I'm um, you know saying I'm eating uh, uh, some kind of muffin, you know, and and and, and it's it's Christmas time, and I say I say the Borena Fashot, no the the Alamichia, the blessing, and it's all about the that's the post muffin blessing. And it was, it's filled with, and the land of Israel, and bring us to the land in Jerusalem, and all that. And I'm saying it, and I'm looking at it, I'm looking at the Dunkin' Donuts, there's a Christmas tree, there's Christmas songs, and I felt totally out of place, and it was like, the contrast was unbelievable, <clears throat> although it was so great to be with my sister. The next thing I did that very day, the next, very next thing is I went to synagogue, and I was a little bit later to, late to the minion, and I'm praying. I had my tefillin on, and I'm discombobulated from the flight. And there's three older gentlemen who are who are still in the synagogue, and they're showing each other stuff on their phone, including some kind of video of a song. And the song is an Israeli Breslov musician. And here's the song that he sings. He sings, Come to Borough Park. Come to Borough Park. It doesn't have Meiron, it doesn't have Chevron. Yerushalayim. And there's no Jerusalem there. And then the punchline is, Aval yesh achim. But there's brothers there. So come to Borough Park. That was the song that they were showing one another. And I said to myself, My God, that's exactly my mission here. There may not be Meiron and Chevron here, but there's my brothers, our brothers. And uh, what I learned on the trip is that uh, uh, disseminating Torah knowledge and, and, and Connectivity to Israel is of incredible import, especially given the tremendous efforts that our enemies are putting into memory erasure, detachment, and an alternative narrative that is filled with hate and lies and wants to darken uh, in the name of Israel, put a cataract on the holiness that's coming out of there. It's a, it's a frightening thought how easy it really is to reconstruct the past. And I, I see it also because I have the great privilege of not leaving here all that often. And so I'm very absorbed, and yet I work with students who come from Chutzlar, it's from outside of the land of Israel, all the time. And it, it, we really inhabit it, parallel universes. And it, it, it's hard for people to take, I mean, even you say, you talk about reaching out across the Atlantic. I'll tell you that with my students here, one of the greatest challenges is how do they translate their experience here? Most of them come for a semester or a year. How do they actually translate that experience into something which can be taken home with them? Because the world in which they live is really so different. And the media in particular is so dominant in shaping a vision of the Jewish people and our mission here as, as deviant. Deviant. As deviant and, and therefore dangerous to the world as a whole. It's not a local conflict any longer. Right. You know, it's not some post-colonial... Is a great danger to the world. Right. It's not some post-colonial territorial struggle. It is a cultural deviance which is disturbing the force, so to speak. And um, it, it couldn't be further from the truth. In fact, it's the inversion of the truth. It's the inversion of the and, truth. And that's one of the reasons it holds such power. Uh, because it, we're, we're fighting against the stream. And in my experience, is that when people are forced to choose between the impossible and the unacceptable, they'll always take the impossible. Explain that. That means that, that you'll, you'll keep banging your head against the wall and, and thinking that the impossible 
just happen if I just twist it this way or that, as opposed to completely reevaluating right. the way in which you understand the world. Like, oh, wait, there is such a thing as evil? Ah, you mean that we may have to actually fight and struggle for our freedom and, and consciousness, as opposed to just if we, if we all love each other, we get along? That's a major rearrangement of a worldview. And th- so therefore, making friends with the devil even though he keeps biting you every time you reach out to shake his hand, well, maybe this time I'll pet him the right way. The devil, uh, the devil does not come in, um, in devil's clothing. He comes in really the finest clothing. He's wearing Prada. Uh, he's wearing the best clothes. And, and he, just, he just looks really good out there, graphically speaking and intellectually speaking. They, 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 they have such a momentum, the haters of Israel. I want to I bring to your attention an amazing verse in, in last week's Torah portion, Shemot, where Pharaoh is basically telling... Um, he's basically telling uh, Moses, listen, uh, don't ask to leave. Uh, you're just screwing everything up, and you're screwing up the slave work that, uh, that we've established here, and you're going to mess up your brother's lives. Now I'm going to have to, now because of your, your waste of time crapola here, I'm going to have to turn up the heat on your brothers and sisters. Your agitation. That's right. Better than crapola, probably. <laughs> uh, so he says, he says, you know what? He says, Tichbad ha'avodah anashim. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make the work even harder. They're already enslaved and they're working, you know, in, in total conditions of, of human destruction. But I'm gonna make it even harder. Ve'asuba, and they'll, they'll do it. Ve'ali bedivre shaker. They won't pine away or yearn or or pray or or or, or dwell in words of lies. This is what Pharaoh says to Moses. He says. Don't waste our time with words of lies. I picked up on this on this on this phrase because it's, it was like, did Pharaoh just call Moses a liar? He called Moses and God and and the whole redemption everything. He's calling the whole thing a lie. You're a liar and you're wasting everybody's time. It's pretty brazen, you know. The inversion of the truth. And and yet, the uniqueness of the Exodus story is that actually you got to be a little bit sympathetic to Pharaoh's perspective right now. He has no reason to believe otherwise. I mean, the entire wealth of the Nile empire is concentrated in his person, right? He doesn't know God, as he said. There's no reason that he should believe Moshe. The whole uniqueness of the, the shattering of Egypt, which is the beginning of the Exodus and the redemption, is that this is meant to teach humanity that lesson, that, that these, these structures of uh, national importance and, 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 and physical power are, are actually illusions. They're masks over the truth. It's only later that we live in a world in which we ought to know better. But, and this is why... Uh, Pharaoh, that's why God says repeatedly, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart because we're going to go big on this one. We're going to go so big that no one will ever again be able to say God doesn't care, justice doesn't exist, right? Change is not possible, right? Anybody who says that, now they'll be a liar. And so Pharaoh actually believes what he's saying. The fact that he's wrong, he's about to learn in a very harsh way. You know what mystifies me in this exchange is Moshe's reaction. Because what does Moshe do after Pharaoh does this? He goes back and he says to Pharaoh, sorry, he says to God, Lama Hariota. Like, why did you make it worse, God? You see, it's not going to happen. And there's something which fascinates me. I asked my kids this Shabbat at the table. Why didn't Moshe go into the land of Israel? So if I asked you or you asked your kids, what would they say? That he hit the rock. He hit the rock? I mean, it's explicit, actually, in the Torah. God says to Moshe, I'm not letting you go because you hit the rock. And yet Rashi, the great commentator, 
brings the words of our sages here. And he says, well, God says, you'll see what I do to Paro. And Rashi fills in, you'll see what I do to Paro, but you won't see what I do to the kings of Canaan when I bring the children of Israel into the land of Israel. Why? Because Moshe lacked an element of vision. And it may be, in fact, that the Redeemer, by definition, has to lack this element. I Meaning Moshe couldn't see through to the end of the process. Yet when, he, when things got started well and God was with him and the momentum was with him, he thought, okay, I'll do this. As soon as the, the, the tsar, the, the distress and the narrowness, which is the reaction of evil, evil strengthens itself in the face of good. Real evil doesn't just run away and hide. It rears up in its hind legs and says, no, 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 I'm the truth. I'm in charge. And there's an element within good which, which shudders at that and shrinks because there's an absolute bleeful. But if, if good is good and true and evil is false and bad, then shouldn't it just disappear? And the answer is no, that's not the way it works. And, and so Moshe balked. And God says, okay, you'll, you'll take the people out, but it'll be Joshua that takes them into the land. And I feel like we live in this time right now because this is the leadership that you need to be in the land of Israel. It's not enough to just want to shake yourself free from evil. You actually have to have the vision which can build good into a viable message, into a viable society. And we're struggling with that right now. How many people in this country right now are saying the great miraculous victory of 1967 was a mistake? I wish it had never happened. We're choking on these territories. We're occupiers, all these things. You know, It's because we're, we're in the middle of the process and we're unable to a certain degree to understand that, that the fact that evil is strengthening itself against us is an indication that we're on the right path. Still, you have, to, you have to really be amazed at the leadership of, of Moshe Rabbeinu. Uh, he's chosen in such an amazing way. Really, does, I, I think there's like three different parts to his chosenness. The first part is that he's born, and, and it says that, that his mother saw that he was good. Now, every mom thinks that, that their kid is good and, and beautiful and nice, but there was a, a kind of light that, that emanated from him, and it was obvious that he uh, had, had something special about him. The Egyptians of the time had their ability to see the stars that our redeemer is around they were looking for him uh there was a you know there was a real uh you know there was like a sci-fi movie like they're chasing after it's a, it's a little bit like 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 terminator where they're like trying to destroy the guy who's going to get them i imagine terminator knew the story <laughs> terminator that's right no but they're trying to to get rid of the guy that they know in the future is going to is going to be their undoing so that's one uh, the second thing is that is that Moshe Rabbeinu gets placed in an ark a mini arc, right? And and uh, there's a lot of similarities, and the Zohar points this out between uh, Moses and another amazing biblical character, and that's Noah. Noah, and basically uh, both are in an ark. Both have the the number forty tied into them. Both spend forty days, you know, in a kind of uh, quasi uh, not earthly state, a womb like state, a womb like state, or uh, an alternative to, to to this reality state. And and uh, both are, are really both are really messianic figures. Uh, uh, it's no doubt that Noah is the Messiah of the earth. He saves humanity and all and all of creation. Uh, Moses is going to save the Jewish people and thereby create a nation that's supposed to be the redemptive nation for this for this earth. But the but the big difference between Noah and Moses is that is that uh, when God tells Noah, "Listen, I'm, I'm about to destroy this world," Noah definitely puts in an effort, but 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 not so much. He's not known as a person who went out there to try to uh, um, cause this world um, to to do tshuva to 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 to. Um, Repent, repent and, and become the kind of people they're supposed to be. Moses says, if you want to destroy these people, well, destroy me first. I don't want any part of your book, sir. 
That's the way he talks to God. By the way, Moses is in some sense the greatest Jew that ever lived. Also, in other sense, has tremendous chutzpah. He's got a way of talking to God, which is just like, uh, did you just say that? Really, our great figures, also Abraham, they have these arguments with God, and you're just like, uh, I guess God doesn't want just, and that's what he likes about Jews, not just a total submissive nature. Um, and uh, and, and uh, the final act of, of Moses' leadership, or the initiation of his leadership, is really coming face-to-face with God, and God kind of really... Uh, uh, um, Try to negotiate with him to to be his representative. Moses says, "You know, I don't want. I don't. It's not me. I'm not really good for this job. You don't want me." Again, these are things that are hard to understand uh, because you would think, you know, God's talking to you. Go do what he says. And God says to him, "You know, I am the one who created mouths and ears and stuff like that. I'm like in charge of the whole kit and caboodle, and I'm telling you, you're going." And Moses is like, "No, no, no, not me." You know, it's an amazing, really uh, amazing discourse. And I just want one to say one thought about that, and that is. That, that Moses says that I am heavy of speech, heavy of mouth. People, you, we usually understand that is that he had some kind of lisp or stutter or some kind of sp- speaking uh, disability. Impediment, yeah. Impediment. I don't think that's what it means at all. I think what it means is, is that he says, I am heavy of speech, meaning to say, just like in modern Hebrew, say, Zekavedalai. He speaks too heavy, too straight, too, too cutting. To he doesn't know how to do small talk or chat people up or or kind of you know do the he doesn't know to talk about the Mets and the Yankees and the weather and all that he just says listen you're a sinner you got to repent and it was too harsh and he sensed that he didn't have a way with people so God says don't worry I'll send you the diplomat I'll send you Aaron Aaron is the diplomat he's the one who's going to curve and and get the people to love him and he'll tell it to, to them everybody the way they need to hear it and he's even willing to bend truths. To bring peace into into this world, that's not you, Moses. You're heavy. You're straight. In any case, the dynamic duo of 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 Moses, uh, uh, who's coming to redeem this world, Aaron, who knows how to talk to the Jewish people. This is the Jewish people. Uh, this is the Jewish leadership, and they're going to stand in front of Pharaoh. There's such a beautiful relationship between them because you know the first person of whom we read that he was happy is Aaron mm. in the entire Chumash. It's true the word simcha gets used once earlier, but it, it, but in terms of a person who is happy, after that whole argument between Moshe and Aaron, which the sages say that what part of what was bothering Moshe is he said, look, Aaron's my older brother. He's been a prophet already. He's going to be crushed if you choose me. And God says, you don't understand your brother at all. He's coming to meet you, and he'll see you. Right? And he's just going to be happy. You know why? Because you see from this, it, the definition of what happiness really is, what simcha in the mind of the Torah really is, is that you can actually never be happy alone. That doesn't mean that, that loneliness is bad or, you know, I'm not going to get into that, but meaning that what true simcha is is something shared and the deepest simcha is something which you feel for someone else, which is why, what's a celebration, what's a wedding or a, or a brit milah, what do we call it in general? We call it? A simcha. A simcha. And it's not just because of the person who himself is rejoicing, because as you and I have probably both experienced, you know, it's hard to be happy at your own wedding, maybe afterwards. But, you know, in the moment, happiness is usually not the dominant feeling. There's lots of nerves and there's excitement. And, you know, it's the same thing at a brit milah. You know, the joy usually only comes afterwards. It's a lot of pressure. But everybody around you is so happy for you. That's right. And, 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 and that's why it's such a mitzvah. And there's nothing like going to a wedding of a close friend. Yeah, it's incredible. There's a big difference. I always tell yeah. people, this is, this is a different wedding. This is a close friend. Yeah, because you can truly feel the depth of joy, right. which it's crazy because it has nothing to do with me. Right. I don't benefit from this at all. It's not my you know, personal accomplishment, but it's just the joy of seeing someone else 
in, in the right way. You know, and um, it's why our sages say that anyone who goes to a wedding to make joyous, you know, to be mesamech, to, to bring joy to the, to the bride and groom is as if they rebuilt the temple. That's right. Because what is the temple? It's a bite. It's a place where, where God can join with us. You think God needs the temple to be with us? Of course not. God knows that we need a, a home in order to join him. And that's why when we bring joy to others into the world, God responds by saying, okay, good. Now I'll make a place for you in the world where you can be joyous. You're listening to Spiritual Cafe. We are here at uh, Beit Midrash Sulam Yaakov. Rabbi Mike Foyer is the educational director here. And, and uh, we're having a great time. It's great to see you again. It's a sunny day in Jerusalem after many days of rain, uh, which just uh, it's got a great uh, feeling out there. It's a kind of crisp Beautiful, clear day. Yesterday, another day of, of, of beautiful clarity. I was able to see all the way uh, to the mountains of Moab. And, um, uh, you know, it was, uh, it, it definitely um, always uh, has a tremendous <laughs> conflict inside when I go to New York City because it always, as I call it, it's my Eshet Potifar. It always pulls me back in. Just when I thought I was out, they bring me back in, and and uh, uh, you know the, the 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 magical power of New York City uh, is um, it's mesmerizing. It's very powerful, uh, and and here's the real trick of it, as opposed to other big cities. This is New York City is a Jewish city. Lots That's, of them. Lots of not them. just Jews in the city. It is itself and its DNA a Jewish city. And you could feel that. You mm-hmm. feel that, and that that at homeness uh, that one can have in New York City is strange, and 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 causes certain conflicts um, for for a, a you know a Jew who realizes the yearnings of Zion. Uh, it's it's it causes certain conflicts. It causes, and I saw in the people. Uh, like my good friend Jack, who 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 also loves Eretz Israel, it, it causes certain frustrations and and internal conflict. Um, but um, and I don't even have great answers for that. All I could say is that God has uh, given us uh, the the return to the land of Israel, and He's empowered us also in in, in the United States. And it should be uh, we should use both of these powers as much as possible to further the Jewish story along. Well, as we've said so many times, in many ways, in their positive sense, they're the two faces of the Jewish people. The, the universalist embracing of all the greatness of creation which God has provided. The Jews should be able to go everywhere, see everything, love all of God's works. Right. And yet, we have to do it as Jews. And so, therefore, we need that particularist anchor. We need the place to call home. I'll tell you what, that this is a major source of tension in my own home. Uh, my wife and I characterize very much that I'm a particularist. I don't know if you know that about me, but um, I feel no call when I go to a place like New York City. Nothing. If I want my call, all I need to do is walk out of my house, down into the valley that's below my apartment, and, and just take off my shoes, like Moshe did in last week's Parsha, and just feel the dirt underneath my feet. That's it. I'm good for the week. You know, and all I feel in New York City, where my brother lives, um, is, is hectic and, and pursued and, and lost. Um, and she, on the other hand, is the great universalist. We actually once went to marital therapy over a fight of whether Jerusalem is the particular capital of the Jewish people or the universal capital of the world. You would, you would not believe we walked into the therapist and we told her that this is what the core of the fight was, and she almost told us to leave. She said, you are joking. If your discussion is happening on that level of values, you do not need my help. But of course, there's more than that. But yeah, it's a big tension. I don't know what to tell you either. You just got to be who you are in it. Uh, it it's interesting... Um Moses himself 
shows this tension. Absolutely. And the the here's here's so illustrative and so laconic, so few words used to illustrate this point. But basically, Moses goes out the first day when he's like, okay, I got to see what's going on with my brothers. He goes out. He sees an Egyptian striking a a Jew. He he takes him out uh, in one blow, or according to other understandings, he he said the word, the name of God. He he took him out. Either power is like he just took his soul away. (laughs) He exposed him to the truth of God. He erased him from the story. (laughs) He was out. uh, so 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 he kills this uh, Egyptian, obviously risking his prestige uh, at court, and uh, and and messing up his future. Next day he goes out and he faces the first truth of Jewish politics, which he tries to. He sees two Jews fighting. He says to the Rasha, he identifies immediately who is the the culprit, who's the bad guy. He says, "Bad guy, why do you strike your fellow?" Again, he's being very straight, a little too straight. Bad guy says to him. Who the heck are you to be a judge and an officer over us? You going to kill me like you killed the Egyptian? Oh. Oh, <laughs> Moses says to himself, uh, me out because because obviously it's going to get to uh they're going to tattle on me. So his first it, 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 his first uh, intercession with with Jews is, is 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 problematic right from the get-go. A stiff neck nation, uh, no question about well, it. So much so, the Midrash says that up until that point, Moses didn't understand why the Jews were in slavery. And from that incident, he did. <laughs> but God did not yet choose him. No. Nope. No. It's when he goes out to Midian and sits on the well, and he sees these Midianite girls being abused by these uh, uh, shepherds, other shepherds, uh, that he stands up and he fights these shepherds and he rescues these girls, and he, and, and he waters their sheep and their flock, and God says, look at my Moses. And this, this is not written in the text. This is my, uh, the way I understand it, which is, he says, my Moses, yeah, he fights for his brothers, but he also fights for universal justice. Yes. And, and, and again, if you really think about what, 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 what you should do in that situation when the you know, mean men are abusing these girls, uh, you would either stay out of it, side with the stronger uh, uh, group, or certainly say to yourself, you know, look, in this society, standing up for women is not really necessary, you know, better stay, better align myself, I don't really know the, the, the deal here, I align myself with the strong, and, or at least stay out of it. No, Moses fights everywhere for what he perceives as his justice, an impetuous fighter for truth, um, and God says, that's my man. You know, it makes me sad to hear you say this, because it, it's an element that I feel that our society is is lacking right now. And something that we could really step into in the world. The world needs uh, a certain level of impetuous leadership to just stand up and say, hey, you know what's happening over there in Syria? That's just wrong. It's wrong. They're killing lots of people. right? Hey, you know what's happening down here in, in, in Africa? Like, no, the bad news. And, and I, listen, I understand. I understand the last 2,000 years and particularly the last 100 years. And I understand our struggle to regain a sense of pride in self and the challenge of universalism, which really has taken so many of our brothers and sisters away from being Jews. Nevertheless, I feel like that's our generation's call. Is that you and I are rooted. We're grounded. I, nobody's knocking me off my center and my confidence as being a Jew. And it is time for those of us who are really grounded as Am Yisrael to begin to speak that voice of justice because it's what God wants, not because it's like going to make people like us or because we feel like it's a, a, a some sort of universal human need, but because it's what the Rebona Olam, what the master of the world put us here to do. 
you know, I just it's it's just so hard to 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 Moses is able to do it. <laughs> That's why he's Moses. Yeah. Uh but we're definitely right now in a um if Jacob is Clark Kent and Israel is Superman, we are definitely right now sliding back into Jacob Jacobism as opposed to Israelism. Yes. I'm definitely feeling that right now. I'm feeling that Jacobism is like in vogue. It's a more Haredi ultra-Orthodox perspective. It's a more secular Israeli left perspective. That's why, by the way, those those oftentimes collude together, those two forces. Um, it's, there is, there is um, fear and smallness and the building of walls, of ghetto walls, is definitely the modus operandi right now. That is the... The, the popular spirit and anybody who 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 juts out is cut down mm-hmm. you're not allowed to be brave you're not allowed to be courageous you're not allowed to be uh, uh, you know um, impatient with evil and you know what I see is that it that causes that bravery impatience with evil to be coming out also in very warped ways it's like if you if you can't offer people a healthy legitimate vision of what it means to be courageous and act boldly as a society, which our leaders are not offering today. I don't see it in our political leaders. I don't see it, sadly, either in most of our religious leaders. And so, therefore, you have youth today who feel inside themselves this tremendous, almost prophetic drive toward action, and yet it's coming out in, 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 in very strange and disruptive ways. You know, and it makes me very sad. It makes me very sad because it's a failure on the behalf of our leadership and our society to offer a real vision because they want that conformity. They want the smallness. The fear is dominant. And therefore, courage is um, is just leaking out in very broken vessels. You know, uh, sometimes Jews are, are, uh, are afraid of themselves. Like, look at, look at the character of Moses. We, we gave an example that he was willing to, 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 to kill an uh, Egyptian uh, taskmaster, he's willing to fight these strangers in order to rescue these these women strangers. But when God says to him, "I need you now to go down to Egypt and and fulfill a giant role for yourself and for the nation," right there he he pulls back. Yeah, uh, and that that's a, that's a strange dichotomy, really, of of Moses and and therefore the Jewish people writ large, which is which is that that we have these moments of of of, of impetuousness of but like righteous impetuousness. Um, and then we have these moments where we're, where we pull back and where we're uh, too calculating. And I call this disease. I call it a mental disease. I call it actually. I've diagnosed it, and now it's in one of the uh, what do you call that psychology uh, book of oh, diseases? Oh yeah, I, know, you, I you know? don't remember the name. I know you're talking <laughs> yeah. about. It's actually I call it uh, Woody Norris disease. And Woody Norris disease is is when it's a kind of schizophrenic uh, problem that Jews have, where we're on the one hand we're Chuck Norris, and it's like sure we'll bomb Syrian installations of a building of a nuclear bomb, no problem. But you We'll send our best boys through, you know, under radar, you know, dodging Soviet SAM missiles or whatever it is and, you know, taking people out. And then we, so that's the Chuck Norris part of it, right? And then we have this Woody Allen part where we're like, I don't know, should I? I mean, I'm really, I'm very confused. And what will the world think? And I, you know, and will Americans sell us the parts? And I don't know if I should do it. And, you know, is it really my role? And really, we should stay small and not shut out. And it's this, like this total, you know, kind of uh, nebbishy. What, yeah. how, do, how do we say that in a, uh, I don't know that there is a translation for yeah, Nebishi. like a kind of you know loser nerdy type of you know constantly self doubting. Uh, the self doubt is the great corrosion because we're standing in a situation. Great corrosion. Yeah, it's, it's, it it just it corrodes all the foundations on which our courage is built. We're standing right now at a time in the world where the world needs nothing more than leadership, visionary, 
courageous leadership. We could harness the forces of the world on every front. It doesn't matter. We're not going to go through it all right now. And, and yet, I think that the, the very enormity of that task, in the same way that when God turned to motion and said, that was good, you know, you saved the Jew, you saved the, the, the Midianite girls, I see you're, you're into this justice thing. Now, save the people and you'll save the whole world. Motion says, whoa, too big. <laughs> Too big. Too big. And I feel like that's where we're at right now. Okay, we get ourselves back to our land. We fight our enemies. Okay, that's... Our, whoa, save the world? No, no, no. That's too big. <laughs> that is a great tension, and that is a great story uh, of the Jewish people. Rabbi Mike Foyer, thank you so much for joining me here at Spiritual Cafe at uh, beautiful Beit Midrash Sulam Yaakov. I'm so glad you're back. It is great to be back, uh, although wherever I walk... I try to walk in the land of Israel, like Rabbi Nachman says. I want to thank uh, Jack again for sponsoring Spiritual Cafe uh, and all the other good folks that, that are part of this story, uh, including uh, Donny uh, Donny Kostrich, who uh, helps the show happen as well. Thank you so much, Donny, for all the good work that you do. Uh, and thank you, folks, for, for being part of it. Folks, I'm committed to uh, to, in, to taking this to the next level. Uh, we got to start spreading Torah and courage and Israel, and Israelism, uh, and, and really the Superman aspect of Israel. And, and you're part of that process of, of spreading it out. Certainly, I'm sure you're content creators as well, just by chatting with somebody at, at the water cooler or the coffee machine, uh, or, or whatever else that you're doing, maybe on Facebook, maybe on, on Twitter, wherever, wherever it is that you're broadcasting the story of Israel, keep broadcasting, and help us rebroadcast the show. Certainly help us by supporting the show, but also help us by, by just sending that link out uh, and, and we have to, all of us, have to redouble our commitment to, to, to broadcasting truth because our enemies are doing an incredible job of unbroadcasting, unteaching, unlearning the truths, and really putting a darkness over this world. We will not let them. Gotta shine the light. That's all I can say. All right, folks. Thank you so much for joining us. More great stuff on the way. Stay tuned, stay strong, stay connected, and shalom. Sorrow to vote, sorrow to vote.